Back to the Bins proudly presents I've got a few things to say about Superman. Hello and welcome to yet another uh, hopefully exciting episode of I've Got a Few Things to Say About Superman. I'm your host, Scott Gardner, and I do indeed have a few things to say. First up, let me just say thanks for all the feedback. I've been getting a lot of feedback via um, Facebook and our forum, which is over at forumforgeeks.com. Go over and check it out if uh, you're not already a member. If you are a member, post more regularly that sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, we've been getting a lot of feedback through there. Unfortunately, no new feedback via the uh, Gmail this week, which uh, I'm always a little bit disappointed. I got to be honest. I like getting that feedback because I can actually read it and use it on the show. I, guess, I suppose I could use the others on the show too, but uh, trying to backtrack messages on Facebook is kind of a pain in the butt for me. And the forum, I like to let kind of speak for itself. So yeah, send uh, send Gmail, send a Gmail feedback uh, if you want something read on the show, discussed on the show. Um, some of you may have been wondering about the issue that I covered last episode and going, Scott, seriously, dude, that, that issue was pretty bad. It was kind of stupid story, and what was the point? Well, as I may or may not have explained last time, I can't remember... That story actually is kind of the setup for the storyline I really wanted to cover. The the issue that I'm going to uh, be covering today, this is where I thought the story actually began. And when I sat down and read this issue, lo and behold, I realized that, whoa, wait, this story is already in progress. Something I hadn't remembered from when I was a kid. So that's why I went back one issue further. So yeah, by my own admission, that uh, episode or the issue we covered last time is, uh, yeah, it's kind of dumb. However, it leads into a story that I think is pretty freaking epic. And I think you will too, or at least I hope so. You can judge for yourselves. Uh, so I think I'm just going to go ahead and dive right into this one. This is Action Comics number 363, the uh, May 1968 issue, according to the Indicia, which means, uh, you know, if you go by that date, I was uh, about a month old. Now, of course, the, the issue would have been on the stands before that. These things never mesh up exactly, but I was too lazy to research exactly when this was on the stands. But let's just say May 1968, just for fun, shall we? This was written by Leo Dorfman. Penciler is Ross Andrew, and the inker was Mike Esposito has a gorgeous cover on it by Neil Adams, and this is one of my all-time favorites. Now, granted, a lot of it is because I love this story so much. It is truly an awesome and epic story. At least, I think so. We'll see how it holds up. I have not... I've read this issue, of course, before sitting down to talk about it, which is always a good plan. I have not read... reread, rather, the entire story arc that follows, so we'll see if it all holds up. Anyway, this cover depicts Superman, and he's leaning heavily against uh, a wall. It looks like the wall leading to an alley, and he's kind of collapsing against the wall while this uh, cat, more a kitten really, this all-white kitten is running away. He's, it's looking up at Superman and running away. Its mouth is open. You can imagine it maybe hissing or going like, or something as it runs away, and in the background, a man is fleeing, and I imagine the guy's going, you know, doing the like, Whoa! running off into the into the background. 
this uh, woman with a bouffant hairdo is scooping up her her daughter, her child, who's you know horrified, staring at Superman and pointing as her mother you know scoops her up, and they flee. And Superman, he's got his hand to his head, and both of his hands are, are have this like green, this weird green modeling all over them, and he's saying, "My hands, I've contracted the first stage of Virus X. There is no cure. I've become." The Leper from Krypton, and that's the name of this story. Now, a word of explanation about a, a word that uh, I'll probably end up using at some point or another in this story, which is scurf. And whenever I see something like that that's that's on Superman's hands, and eventually as the story progresses, it's going to spread, we'll, as we'll find out. I always think back to uh, a word that my grandfather used to like like to use, which was scurf or scurvy. Now, I imagine scurf came out of scurvy, and scurvy, now in real world terms, to the best of my understanding, it's it's some sort of, I don't know if it's so much a disease or it's just like a condition that you can develop, you know, when you're like malnutritioned or whatever, you know, like sailors back in olden times used to get this and, you know, used to have to, you know, eat uh i i think the whole thing with um and and forgive me andy uh leyland i i I don't mean this as as some sort of uh of an insult or whatever but my understanding is like the the british the you know the the insult to british people of calling them limeys comes out of this whole scurvy thing where like british people used to like eat a lot of limes i guess on ships to like ward off scurvy i don't know if i'm completely wrong on this somebody write in and set me straight but anyway I guess I should have researched this better. That's my half-assed explanation for for scurvy. Anyway, my grandfather used to use this for like it was almost like synonymous with dirty. You know, like we'd come in from outside playing. You know, we'd be been outside playing matchbox cars or you know Star Wars figures or something. You know, playing like making sand castles for our for our forts and stuff. And we come in filthy. And instead of saying like you kids are dirty or you kids are filthy. He'd say, you guys are scurvy, go wash up. And it just became this thing to where, like, scurvy meant dirty. And, like, if, if you were if you had dirt on you, instead of just saying, oh, look at your hands, you got dirt all over you, you know, it'd be like, look at you, you got scurf all over you. So <laughs> I know it wasn't the proper usage of the, of the word and of the terms. I don't know that he even knew that, but it just became one of these, you know, little family idioms that's passed on even to this day i do it with my own kids you know they come in from outside all filthy and i say god look at you guys you're all scurvy so anyway (laughs) that is a very long explanation for every time i see this cover instead of seeing the leper from krypton i see superman's being more like oh my god i've got kryptonian scurf you know kryptonian scurf well scurfitis was another thing we used to that was like a disease like a made-up disease that you could get anyway i don't know where i'm going with that i just think it's funny and the opening page to this is absolutely hysterical superman is collapsed in an alleyway and he's laying there and he's it's almost like he's reaching to us the reader in a pleading way and he's got this kryptonian scurf all over his hands and he's thinking to himself, what a way to go. My super body has no immunity against virus X. I'm dying by inches. Why doesn't death come to put me out of my misery? And you've got these hoods all gathered around. And, the, you know, the, the lead guy who's actually speaking, he looks like your stereotypical mobster. There's another guy who actually looks a lot like a cross between, like, Popeye and Bibbo. And he's holding a, a bag 
And of course it has kryptonite in the bag, you know, cause kryptonite it's everywhere in these old, uh, silver age stories, as we'll see as the story progresses, there's a guy in the background with a Tommy gun. There's another guy behind him. That's actually in like a orange jumpsuit type of thing. I guess he's just a recent prison breakie or something. And then the one that's absolutely hysterical is there's one, I guess he's supposed to look like some sort of tough. He's wearing jeans and a red t-shirt and sunglasses. He's holding a gun and he's got a little box of, of course, kryptonite. This kid looks like he's nine years old. I swear to God, it's weird, but all these other guys look like mobsters in their, you know, in, in their 40s or 50s. You know, they're, they're toughened hardened criminals and then there's this kid with them it's very strange and the the lead guy is saying put away that kryptonite boys we don't need it that crumbs superman i love crumb it's it's one of those lost things you don't call people crumbs anymore actually we should bring this back i I like that as a as an insult that crumb that crumb superman is dying of virus x kryptonian leprosy says atom bombs death rays red green and gold kryptonite the underworld has tried these and every other conceivable weapon against the man of steel now comes the most diabolical weapon of all the super deadly virus x which nearly wiped out a world and superman faces inevitable doom as the leper from krypton and in metropolis prison where the world's most notorious criminal scientist is an inmate we see these two morons, complete and other morons. One of them is uh, just, you know, one of the prison guards. The other guy is the warden. He says, in the prison guard speaking, he says, but warden, was it wise to let Lex Luthor work in a lab? And we see Lex Luthor, and he's dressed in his prison grays, and he's got a, a pair of uh, work gloves on, and he's doing something with some test tubes. And the warden saying, eh, it's governor's orders. You know, Luther, he volunteered to help us with this finding a special cure for blah, blah, blah. Come on. Come on. How stupid are you? And Luther is thinking to himself exactly what I'm thinking. He says, well, the fools never learn. He says, my scientific wizardry could convert a sand pile into an atomic pile. Exactly. This guy is the MacGyver of super criminals. You don't give him access to anything. You know, I remember a story. I think it's in one of Elliot S. Megan's Superman novels where Luthor ended up in one of his zillions of prison breaks. One of them was he just fasted until he got to a point where he literally could walk through walls. So, I mean, this is a guy you don't mess around with. If he, if he can do that with no tools whatsoever, imagine what he can do when you give him access to a lab. But these guys, they're so stupid. And so the warden says, uh, and, and this panel really looks like the... Uh, guard and the warden are walking off to leave Luther completely alone. And as he walks out of the room, the warden says, Oh, Luther, a ventriloquist will entertain the prisoners today. You'll be allowed to attend, of course. And Luther's all cheery. Hey, thanks, Gordon. I'm looking forward to it, he says. And actually, I was right. The next uh, caption box says, As the warden leaves. So they leave Lex. Not only have they given him access to a lab full of chemicals, but then they left him completely alone. Luthor 
is gloating to himself. He says, it's weeks since I exposed this test tube of deadly microbes to the rays of a chunk of green kryptonite. I found that stuff when they still had me working on the prison rock pile. So he found a chunk of kryptonite while he was pounding big rocks into small rocks in the prison. Uh, Yeah. I mean, seriously, it's amazing Superman can go anywhere when kryptonite is this available on Earth. I mean, it's everywhere. If it's in a prison rock pile, <laughs> it's, it's really, really, that's that's bad. I like Burns' take in, in the beginning of the post-crisis Superman where there was one, one chunk of kryptonite. I like that idea. I wish they had stuck with that because I still think that's the way to go with, with something like kryptonite. It's rare, and only his worst enemies have access to it. I think that's definitely the way to go. Anyway, he uh, puts his uh, test tube specimen under a microscope, and he's looking at it, and he says, Look at those little beauties. The green K radiations have mutated the microbes of Virus X, a plague a thousand times more deadly than anything known on Earth. I'd better put on my protective suit. Yeah, you think? I, I would have thought that that would be the first thing he would have done. And I was actually really surprised. I could not remember the origins of Virus X in this story. So I think this is an interesting origin for how Luthor brings about Virus X. However, I was always under the impression in this era of Superman that green kryptonite only affected super-powered Kryptonians. I I thought we'd been kind of beat over the head with that during this era, as a matter of fact. And if I remember right, I think they even created a a special brand of Kryptonite that if you were a non-powered Kryptonian, like, say, living in Argo City or the Bottle City of Kandor or something like that, that there was a breed of Kryptonite for those people that would affect them because they were non-super... It got that specific... So I'm a little bit surprised to find that there's a story where Luther's talking about kryptonite radiation affecting something that's not even Kryptonian. I, I found that very interesting. And it, it leads me to wonder why, to, at least to my knowledge, they never did a story in this era of Superman of kryptonite, you know, prolonged kryptonite exposure having any effect on a regular human being. Whereas that was a great storyline in the post-crisis Superman universe where prolonged exposure to kryptonite would affect a regular human being. You know, it, it affected Lex Luthor to a point where he lost his hand because of it and eventually his life. And it actually killed some people because they kept kryptonite around to whatever ward off Superman or whatever and it eventually did them in. Um, I like that idea. I like that, you know, this thing is radioactive and yeah you don't have to be superman for it to kill you eventually prolonged enough exposure will do you in as well i like that idea it's too bad they didn't use that back during this time anyway so luther says kryptonite is a part of the remains of the exploded planet where superman was yes i know that lex luther he says my virus x is a recreation of a deadly kryptonian plague for which there was no cure it can even kill superman here on earth despite his superpowers i'd love to know how lex luther knows this about virus x i mean in one you know in the beginning of this he's saying how he created it and now he's basically saying he recreated it 
So are these regular Earth microbes exposed to green kryptonite, or are these some sort of Kryptonian microbes that he's gotten a hold of and now he's mutated into Virus X? It never really makes that clear in the story. I get, My impression was that they were just regular old microbes, he exposed them to green kryptonite, and now they're super microbes that are going to kill Superman, I, I, I guess. <laughs> Works for me. Worked for me when I was five, anyway. So he says, uh, now to retest the culture once more by inoculating this rabbit. And we see him give it, he, he injects this poor rabbit. And even Luther is horrified by what happens. We don't see it. It's all done off panel. But the poor uh, rabbit flips out in what Luther calls the first phase panic syndrome. And it runs around its cage, but because it's not super-powered or Kryptonian, it's fast-acting, and the poor thing dies a ghastly death in seconds, Luther thinks to himself. And then he's gloating as he's wearing his uh, his protective outfit, which makes him actually look a whole heck of a lot like Mr. Freeze. And he says, at last, I found a new weapon even more deadly to Superman than Kryptonite. Now to join the other cons for a show I'll never forget. And flipping the page, we get, oh my god, not this guy again, Ventor the Ventriloquist. And he has come to the prison to put on a show for the inmates. And what is the puppet he brings with him? He brings his Superman puppet. And of course, this enrages these people. This is Metropolis Prison. Everybody in this joint was put there by Superman because, you know, the cops can't do them. You know, they can't be bothered to catch criminals, not with Superman around. And so these guys flip out and they're throwing all kinds of junk at Ventor and, and you know, calling him names and everything else because he dared to bring even just a, 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 a mannequin, you know, a ventriloquist dummy of Superman is enough to enrage these people. It reminds them of Superman, and that's enough for them. They're having a fit. Well, Luther, he joins in on this, and he stands up, and he throws his boot, which lands right in the uh, right on the chest of the Superman ventriloquist dummy. And <laughs> Ventor has the dummy saying. I sure didn't make a hit here, and Ventor tells the dummy, and he says this out loud. He says, maybe not Superman, but Luthor did. Come on, this shoe is worth a million cheers. And for some inexplicable reason, they actually let Ventor leave the prison with Luthor's boot. Nobody bothers to take it away from him. Nobody bothers to check what's in the boot. They just let him leave with Luthor's boot. Okay, if you say so. So outside, Ventor is in his uh, in his chauffeured car, and he pulls something out of the boot, and he's actually talking to the ventriloquist dummy. This guy's not right in the head, and he says, "A fine job, Superman. This plastic vial hidden in Luther's shoe contains Virus X, which is deadly to the real Superman. How does he know this? Well, because he and Luthor prearranged this delivery method through the underworld grapevine. That is one heck of a uh, of a delivery system there. <laughs> that's a that's an excellent grapevine service. And so, soon at Ventor's headquarters, which is an abandoned warehouse, we see Clark Kent 
is there and he has been waiting. He's pacing the floor and he's waiting for Ventor. He says, Ventor, I've been waiting for you. You promised to help me find a weapon that would destroy Superman. Now, as you remember from last time around, um, Ventor captured Clark Kent and Clark just kind of went along with the gag, I guess, just to see what was up. But the joke ended up being on him because Ventor actually had the ability to hypnotize Superman, you know, as Clark Kent. So now Clark Kent has completely forgotten that he even is Superman. And on top of that, he is hellbent on seeing Superman destroyed. So Ventor hands over the Virus X, uh, the, the flask or the vial containing Virus X. And he tells him, he says, this vial of deadly Virus X can kill that caped creep. And he says, and when you destroy Superman, I'll have my revenge for my brother who died after that rat sent him to prison. And Clark Kent holds up the vial and he's looking at it and he says, I can't wait to use it. And so, you know, with a war- with one last warning from Ventor that uh, he needs to handle that vial with kid gloves, Clark Kent sets out to destroy Superman. And thankfully, this is the last we see of Ventor. I'm pretty sure this is the last we ever see a Ventor. So there was a whole lot of setup for not a whole lot of payoff for this Ventor character. Now granted he's lame anyway. He's got a lame visual and his his stick is kind of lame. But you know years later I'm not sure who the uh, the writer, you know, the the creators of the character were, but years later there would be a great Batman villain called the Ventriloquist, which had a had somewhat of a similar thing going on here, but in that case the Ventriloquist um was it was basically a split personality where the Ventriloquist dummy was a, a dummy called Scarface was actually a completely separate entity. In, in his own right, as far as the ventriloquist, yes, he controlled him and he spoke for Scarface, but it was such a split that Scarface would actually shoot, you know, the ventriloquist or beat him up. And, and it, it was this really sick and twisted split personality between the two of them. Ventnor or Ventor, keep wanting to call him Ventnor. Ventor, not quite at that part, but, you know, not quite at that point, but he's definitely not quite right either. But he didn't ever really feel fully fleshed out as a villain. He's more of just, as we see here, you know, he's, he's kind of the method of delivery for this Virus X thing. And also he was the, the mechanism by which now we have, you know, what could have been a really ridiculous concept is actually kind of cool of Clark Kent, you know, now hell-bent on the destruction of Superman. I actually kind of like that idea, although we got there in a very goofy way. So Clark Kent heads out, and he's going to destroy Superman, but he's not quite sure how to go about it. He says, I must find Superman. And he is actually compelled by some strange whatever, and it turns out, you know, of course, it's his own memory. He just doesn't realize it. And he goes to his own apartment. He goes to his own home address but for some reason, he doesn't remember that he's the one that actually lives there. He's connecting the place with Superman. So he can't get in the front door. Um, and we get a nice little piece with the narration box. He says, 
Yes, you can, Clark. This is your home address. If your brain wasn't as uh, wasn't fogged, you'd use your key in your pocket. Well, he can't find his key. Doesn't realize he actually lives there and has a key to get in. So instead, I actually like this. Although you you have to wonder why people on the street aren't going. Oh my God! Look at that guy. He actually scales the side of the building, Peter Parker style. It's a really interesting visual, and I kind of like the idea that even though he doesn't consciously realize that he's Superman, at the same rate, he's acting very fearless and exhibiting something of a superpower when he's actually just walking up. He's not walking. I mean, he's climbing, and it shows him using handholds and stuff, but still at the same rate. I mean, he's just a regular guy. This is a pretty super-powered feat for somebody who's not, you know, a professional you know, mountain climber or rock climber or something like that. He's actually just scaling the side of his apartment building right up to his own floor. He enters the window of his own bedroom, again, not realizing it's his bedroom, and he says, you know, this is it. I found the place. This is, must be where Superman sleeps. And he goes over, and he breaks open the vial, and he begins to pour the contents of the vial onto Superman's pillow. But then his hands start shaking and the uh, caption box tells us that, you know, he's getting the tremors because he realizes that, or, you know, instinctively he has this code against killing. So subconsciously it's conflicting with this, this compunction to kill Superman. His, you know, his, his code against killing is kicking in. And of course he accidentally spills some of it on himself. So now it's on his skin and he flips out completely flips out some really nice panels here now granted this is drawn by Ross Andrew but it wasn't until I looked it up that I that I found that it was Ross Andrew because I kept looking at the art and going this reminds me of somebody but I just couldn't place who it was and it doesn't look like what I think of as, as quintessential Ross Andrew. I really like Ross Andrew. I, I truly do. He's a great artist. But I'm familiar with him from, from years beyond this point, from something like, say, uh, Superman versus the Amazing Spider-Man, which the art in that is just phenomenal. Granted, a lot of it is uh, you know doctored by other artists. But that, to me, is what I think of when I think of Ross Andrew or you know, his great runs on, uh, on Spider-Man years later. So there's a lot of this that only sort of kind of reminds me of Ross Andrew, if you know what I mean. However, the panels of him flipping out are excellent and could easily be, you know, contained within the pages of something like Superman versus the Amazing Spider-Man. This looks like Ross Andrew as as I know Ross Andrew. Great panels. And he's just in a total panic. And the first reaction shot's really, really nice. He says, something's after me, menacing me, and he's flipping out, and he must get away. And all of a sudden, he feels like he's feverish, and he's burning up. So, he, of course, he starts ripping his clothes off. And what's really funny when I think about it is he rips off his clothes, and he says, I'll strip out of them, and uh, I'll go out in the open air. So he goes outside, and he's walking down the street. And of course, underneath his clothes, he has his Superman outfit on. And he's walking down the street and everybody starts saying things like, hey, it's Superman and stuff like that. And he's looking around going, huh? Who are they talking about? And he realize, he comes to realize they're talking about him. But I got to thinking about something different. What if he wasn't Superman? 
So he strips off all his clothes and he's walking down the street bare-ass naked. <laughs> it's weird either way, but it was just a thought that I had that, well, you know, he, he says as he's stripping his clothes, he says, I'll strip off, uh, I'll strip some of them off and get out in the open air. But when he's actually outside, he's got everything stripped off but his Superman costume. So it's kind of weird. It It almost... And it actually would probably make a little bit more sense, I guess, if he had like stripped off his his you know suit jacket tie and his shirt, but then he was still walking around in like his Clark Kent pants or something like that. I, I guess that would sort of make sense. But as it is, he's completely stripped down to his Superman suit. So not realizing he had that suit on, does he think he's naked walking? Down? I don't, it's really bizarre. Anyway, he chances across a mirror. And he gets a look at himself, and he realizes that he's in a Superman costume, but he says, but but I'm Clark Kent. And then suddenly, it all comes flooding back to him, and he realizes that he is actually Superman and Clark Kent, and he is snapped out of Ventor's uh, hypnotism. But it's too late, because now he's contracted Virus X, and it's fast-acting. His hands are completely just really nasty looking. They're all green and scaly, scurvy looking. It's really creepy that he's got these almost like lizard type hands. Superman, of course, realizes what it is he's infected with. And we get this, uh, this nice one-page flashback tale of the origins of Virus X and how it came from basically a space traveler that uh, landed on Krypton dying of virus x and infected the entire population so actually virus x isn't even really from krypton <laughs> and we see it uh you know kind of rage across the face of the planet and uh, it became this this horrible epidemic on the planet and everything but ultimately i i kind of feel like it, that, that whole part of the story is kind of pointless really because it never really goes anywhere i mean there's on the next page, the first panel is Superman standing there and he's looking at his hands. It's great. There's actually people kind of peeking around the corner of the alley at Superman, which is actually really, really neat because it's subtle. It's just off in the background, but if you notice it, it's actually kind of funny. But Superman's standing there. He's leaning against the wall and he's looking at his hands and he's horrified. And he says, Krypton was destroyed when I was a small child. Yet, yet Ventor found a way to infect me with virus X, Kryptonian leprosy. But that's really as far as, at least in this chapter, that's as far as it goes. I mean, this could really be any uh, virus that, that Luthor whipped up. It could be any invention. It doesn't necessarily have to tie back to Krypton. So I'm, I'm actually a little bit um, mystified as to why such a big deal is made of this being specifically a Kryptonian disease unless the the only thing i can think of is that the microbes themselves were originally kryptonian but the story doesn't say that the story really gives me the impression that they were just regular old microbes that luthor mutated with green k that's pretty much what he says anyway back at the prison we uh we see one of the inmates tipping off luther he says luther he says the grapevine says that superman has come down with a horrible disease now news travels really fast because <laughs> this just happened and luther he's ecstatic and we see him working on this big old vat of some sort of chemicals 
And he says, great, I'll spread the glorious news. And he thinks to himself, to do that, I'll need a powerful electric battery, which I can uh, create by pouring these chemicals into this tank. And then the very next thing we see is Luthor, and he looks like he's wearing a spaghetti strainer on his head, like a spaghetti strainer with a couple of electrodes coming out of it. And he's suddenly broadcasting from Metropolis Prison. Now, I like the idea of we get the explanation of the battery that he created, but I'm where did he come up with this weird helmet thing? How is he being broadcast on television? It's none of that is ever really explained. I mean, are we supposed to believe that he whipped all this stuff up in the laboratory? Because all we see in the laboratory is a bunch of beakers and chemicals. I don't see really any electronic equipment. And again, as stupid as they are for allowing him access just to the chemicals and things, they would be out of their minds to allow him access to actual electronic equipment. So it's a, it's a bit of a mystery where all this comes from. But basically, Luthor goes on TV just to gloat, just to rub it in. And of course... We get one of those great shots. I love these things in, in old comics and old movies. I wish they still did stuff like that, like this. Eh, maybe they do. I just haven't seen it in movies in a long time. Where Superman's actually walking past an electronics store, and there's the bank of TVs for sale in the window, and he sees Luthor on television, and Luthor is gloating and saying, Superman, wherever you are, this is my sweetest possible revenge. You are now the leper from Krypton. And the people around Superman flip out. And one lady's, you know, pulling her son away, saying, Stay away from him, son. That horrible virus could wipe us all out. And we see that suddenly Superman, not only is he the leper from Krypton, but people start treating him as such. There's uh, one of my favorite moments in this. And, of course, it, it really does date the issue. He sees some fire trucks going by with the sirens blaring and everything and they're on the way of course to the scene of a fire so superman he streaks off to see where they're headed to and it turns out that there's a fire at a place called luna city which is a moon-based mock-up nasa built to train astronauts for get this the coming moon landings i like that yes this is a pre-moon landing story and uh, i like that so superman streaks down and he's going to help but of course this freaks out the firefighters, and they're screaming at Superman, No, stay away, Superman, he said. We'd rather see all Luna City destroyed than take a chance on being infected with Virus X. And Superman, he's kind of downhearted about this. He says, A multi-billion dollar project may go down the drain because they fear me, yet I can't blame them. And we see that this panic and revulsion spreads through Metropolis as we see these guys in their specially suited and they're spraying acid in the Superman Museum, and they're dissolving everything there for fear that the Virus X may have contaminated something that is in the museum. So there's a, a full-fledged panic going on. Superman, <laughs> now he's like a homeless person. He's hanging out in this alley, and he just looks so sad, and he says... No one knows for sure that Earth humans can be affected by Virus X, yet they've made me an outcast, like this poor homeless cat. We see this, uh, it's the kitty from the, the cover of the book, this all-white kitten, and it walks up and it sniffs at Superman, and instantly it, it, it contracts Virus X and walks off. In the last panel, we see it before it dies. It, it has what Superman calls the mummy effect. 
and it's just horrible looking. It, it looks like if you've ever seen one of those shaved cats, it looks kind of like that, but then it's all wrinkly like a Sharpe puppy. Or it's just horrible looking, and the thing is glowing green, and it goes off, and it dies. And Superman, is, he feels awful about this. And then all of a sudden, a helicopter pulls up. And these are the smartest people in the story so far. And they come over the bullhorn and they said, Superman, you're supposed to help people, not endanger them. Please leave Metropolis before you kill us all. Yes. Yeah, that's smart thinking. Yes, he's contracted a disease that you know wiped out a significant portion of Krypton's population. You would think that this would be a no-brainer. You know, for a guy who in the post-crisis universe went off to live in space for months and months on the exile storyline for fear that he might wig out and lose control, here he is with a dead, you know, he's a deadly disease carrier, a plague carrier. Yet he's just kind of hanging around in the back alleys feeling sorry for himself. So Superman, again, just looking so sad. He he stands up and he's kind of like hunched. He's almost like monster style now. And we see him kind of kind of just hunching away. And he says, if my calculations are correct, I have about 12 hours left before Virus X kills me. I'll leave Metropolis. But there's something I must do first. And what does he go do? Get this. He goes and he redons his Clark Kent outfit, goes back to his apartment, and he puts on gloves to hide you know, his deformed hands. And he goes to the Daily Planet building. I'm amazed by this. He's now going to spread his his germs all over the workplace where all of his beloved, you know, friends and and loved ones live and work and everything. <laughs> no regard for them whatsoever. And he goes back and He's thinking to himself, this is the end of reporter Clark Kent. To think I'll never see my friends again. He's he's there in the middle of the night. There's actually nobody there. He says, I'll clean up my desk and leave a goodbye note. And he's holding a picture of Lois and looking at it. And he says, Lois Lane, the girl I plan to marry someday. He did? And he says, I can't even kiss her goodbye without endangering her life. Yeah, well, I would think that just being there is endangering her life. That, but maybe maybe the virus just doesn't work that way. I don't know. But it, it just seems like, why would you take that chance, you know? And he catches sight of himself in a mirror and realizes to his horror that the leprosy has spread to half of his face. So now he actually looks like Two-Face. Half of his face has this horrible green... Uh, mummification effect on it and the other half is normal and he says I must get out of here before someone sees me which of course is a cue for someone to wander up and who is it it's Lois Lane and she wanders in and she says Clark what are you doing here at this hour and he thinks to himself uh oh and she says but I'm glad you're here I want to talk to you about helping poor Superman and in the very last panel, we see Clark, and he has the good half of his face turned to Lois, and the horribly disfigured portion of his face is turned away so she can't see it. And he says, it's Lois. I don't guess keeping my secret, uh, uh, my identity a secret is too important now, but if she touches me, 
shall become infected. And that's the end of the story for this issue. It says, cheer up, readers. You know a comic hero never dies. So grab the next action and get a look at Superman's funeral. Yes, dear reader, next time around, dear listener, I guess I should say for you guys, next time around, we will be presented with the funeral of Superman. And uh, I just want to say thanks and, and give a shout out. I was uh, speaking literally last night, recording with uh, my good friend, Michael Bailey. And uh, he said something to me last night. He says, I thought you were doing some sort of tie into our Death of Superman coverage. And I was, I, you know, jokingly, I was like, well, you know, I threw the idea out there to you and, and you didn't really respond. So I kind of thought, well, maybe you just didn't want to do it. Or, and he's like, no, no, you know, let me know when you're when you're hitting that story. So, you know, we can talk it up or whatever. So whether he does or whether he doesn't, I appreciate the thought. And uh, yes, this is, I mean, this was a story line that I intended to cover anyway, but I just thought now is a great time to cover it since they were doing their uh, their Death of Superman coverage, which is epic. And uh, you should be following it uh, from crisis to crisis. So this, uh, I just thought this was a nice little possible synergistic semi-crossover type of thing. I like this story. I, I like where it goes. Plot holes and, and silliness aside, um, I like this. I, I think it's it's exciting. I thrilled to this when I was a kid because it really felt like there was a sense of of danger here that, you know, how is Superman going to beat this? He's got this deadly disease you know, there's no cure. He's got 12 hours to live. You know, now Lois Lane walks in and she's in danger of not only contracting the disease, but she might learn that, you know, Clark Kent's really Superman. And how is he going to get out of this? I like a good cliffhanger ending. So this is an exciting cliffhanger ending. And uh, I remember the story going in some really interesting and in at least one instance, a really, really wacky place after this. So we'll see, you know, We'll see where it goes together, but also we'll see how the whole thing holds up. Uh, flipping back through to see if there's any ads of note here, but not really seeing any. Um, this was a, a short chapter. Actually, there is a really nice one here for giant size, 80-page giant size Superboy number 147. I don't think I own this issue, but I love the cover on this. Pretty sure it's Kurt Swan, and it's great. It's got Superboy flying toward us, the readers. And he's holding a, uh, a flag that says, Starring the Legion of Superheroes. And then the Legion's all flying behind him. And each one of them is holding a different banner that says something different. Supergirl's got one that says, How Supergirl Joined the Legion. Um, Lightning Lad's got one that says, The Initiation, initiation of Ultra Boy. And we even have um, Crypto and Streaky the Supercat. They're each holding the edge of a banner in their mouths. And it says, The Origin of the Legion of Super Pets. Actually, believe it or not, I actually like the Legion of Super Pets. I always thought that they were just a wacky enough concept that they were actually kind of cool. Got one of the uh, classics, uh, classic rather, Palisades Parks um, uh, advertisements in here with a couple of free coupons to ride the Batman slide and to ride the carousel. That's neat. I is Palisades Park even around anymore? Hopefully one of you uh, New Yorker people can tell me about that. I, I I really don't know. I don't know all that much about Palisades Park beyond, you know, the, the famous song and, you know, that it was around. I, I'm just wondering, is that something that still exists today? 
but I love these old comics that actually had coupons for you know being able to ride some of the attractions for free. I think that's neat. And there is a backup story in here, which is just damn silly. It's uh, Supergirl fighting these aliens that are playing a game of space monopoly and using uh, monuments from Earth as their token pieces in their game. It's really pretty silly. Um, get a direct current in the back that gives you an insight into what books were out at the time. And uh, wow, <laughs> what a very different era of comics. And that's pretty much it for this time. Um, I think I'll go ahead and wrap this one up. I hope you guys are, are digging the, the story. I hope you guys are digging the show. Give me some feedback. Let me know what you're thinking. And I think that pretty much wraps us up. Be sure to visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com for more exciting podcasts featuring both me and Chris Honeywell, Michael Bailey, Hope Mullinex, Luke Giaconetti, and several other sad and pathetic human beings who have nothing better to do with their time. Join our forum at www.forumforgeeks.com where you can comment on this episode and just you know anything in general that you just want to talk about. Anything geek-related over there, we got it all. We got the Star Wars, Star Trek, comic books, Disney, anything you want to talk about. Come on over and chat it up with both you know us the podcast hosts your fellow listeners and just people that just like to hang over you know hang out over there it's uh what i like to to believe is is just about the the most fun and friendly community on the internet and uh, i enjoy it very much and you will too as always you can reach this show by email gmail actually at back to the bins at gmail.com please write in let me know what you're uh, thinking about the show uh, what what do you like what don't you like ways i can improve that sort of thing and of course i'm on facebook just look for me scott gardner on facebook s-c-o-t-t-g-a-r-d-n-e-r is how my name is spelled speaking of facebook if you like the show if you like any shows that you listen to whether they're two true freaks or any other podcast you can really help out your favorite shows by giving them a plug on the social networking site of your choice whenever you're listening. It really helps them out because word of mouth is still the very best way to let other people know about the shows that you're listening to and enjoying. And I'm sure that they would appreciate it. We appreciate it very much. We appreciate your helping us to grow our listenership. Thank you very much. Thanks for downloading the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the feedback that I know you're going to send in. And be sure to join me next time, next month, for I've Got a Few Things to Say About Superman. Take care of yourselves.